Hey, welcome back to the Not Quite Compassion podcast. This is episode 10 entitled Ladders, Castles, and Weddings. I was uh I was in here for it hit record and I, I like feel a little nervous because it's like episode 10 and is this like is this an actual thing now? You know? <laughs> I don't know. It just uh kind of threw me off a little bit as I was like sitting down in this comfy chair of mine up in our bedroom. So I want to start by kind of sharing a little bit before we get into things of where this is going. Because um, I've laid the, the the foundation a bit, and I'll do a bit more of that today, um, on how we should have compassion towards ourselves and how that then therefore translates into how we have compassion towards others. Uh, and then in future episodes, I'm going to get right into it, uh, and it'll be really kind of the outline that will be for my book. That will come out hopefully in a few years. Uh, and it'll, we'll, I'll take you through the difference between indifference, pity, comparison, sympathy, empathy, and then finally compassion. So we'll go through these stages and I'll talk about how we view God and therefore how that forces us to view others. Like for instance, if we think God pities us, then we'll, we'll then therefore pity others. We'll get into a bunch of different things and get into some urban issues, and um, yeah, it'll be good. But for now, I want to talk a little bit more about compassion towards ourselves, and this will be a two-parter. So ladders, castles, and weddings. Typically, when we uh, think about spiritual growth, we think in terms of a ladder, that we go up different tiers when we accomplish certain things. So... Um, you get on the ladder when you convert to Christianity, and then when you start a Bible reading plan, you go up a notch in the ladder. And then when you start praying every morning for 30 minutes because the person up front told you so, you go up another ring. And then when you join a small group, and then when you start serving in the hospitality section of the church, <laughs> and then when you lead a small group, right? And then you when you go on a mission trip, and then when you go on a, a year-long internship, then when you join vocational ministry, then when you go to seminary, then when you get a degree, then when you marry someone that's Christian, you know, like there's all these different rings and these different um, sections of a ladder, and it's all based primarily on comparison, that that's how we know where we're at on the ladder and how Christian we feel is we're comparing ourselves to others. And and more specifically, we're comparing our insides to others' outsides because we can't see other people's insides, but we know our insides, so we compare our insides to other people's outsides. So when the person up front talks about how they read through the entire book of Isaiah over the weekend and how much God's word speaks to them and and you're sitting there listening to them in the crowd, and you're like, man, I opened up like the Bible, and I got like three verses in, and I got distracted and started scrolling through Instagram again. I mean, so you compare your insides with their outsides, and, and, and that inevitably makes us feel like we're, we went down a notch on the ladder, because we're just this endless cycle of comparing ourselves, right? It feels like an assembly line. That you just keep adding more things like you're some robot and you add another battery pack of prayer or small group or whatever it is. And it, and it, it can make you feel, at least it makes me feel in the past, like a machine, you know, like this cog in a wheel in the system built to make me look more and more like more and more Christian. 
but has very little to do with being transformed in interacting with Christ. And I don't know about you, but that's that's what I want. Like I, I want a meaningful, transformational relationship with Christ. And the problem with the assembly line or the ladder is, guys, I just want you to know it's not sustainable. It's not. I have sat in the corner of a of bars with various different friends numerous times throughout my life as they have shared how their life was self-destructed and they cheated on their spouse or they made some other horrible decision and it was a way of self-destructing themselves because they were so sick and tired of the latter that they thought, I can't keep this up anymore, so I'll just destroy the whole thing so I don't have to play by these rules anymore. And they gave up. And and um, it's because it doesn't work. It's not sustainable. I love uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 12. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That tells me that... Um, that it's not a ladder, it's not an assembly line. How you follow Jesus will look different than how I follow Jesus. And maybe that's okay. So instead of a ladder, perhaps we should view spiritual growth like a castle. And I got this from a, a prof one, one year, a few years back, Rick McKinley from Imago Day in Portland. And he described like this old castle where we're all part of it. We're all living in this castle but the old castles wouldn't have like electric systems and heating ventilation and they would just have a huge fire in the center of the castle where the king lived and all the rooms um dispersed from that center room and all the light at night came from that center fire and all the warmth and heat came from that center room where the king lived and so the closer you were to the center, the more warm and well-lit you were. But our lives are dynamic, guys. And there's portions of my life that doesn't look anything like Jesus at all. And there's other parts of my life that I've began to trust him and I've moved closer to the fire and closer to the warmth. And it's starting to resemble a little bit like Jesus. It's starting to look more like him because I'm starting to trust him. I want to be closer to him. So there's aspects of my life that are on the outside and there's outs or, or, or towards the end of the castle and there's others that are um, closer to the fire. But here's the clincher. I'm always a part of the kingdom. I've never been separated and moved out of the castle. I've always been included. And that's so important for us to know. It, it gets me off of the ladder and away from the assembly line. Maybe the Bible says it better than I do. Uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 15, you've probably heard of it. It's that story, the prodigal son, right? And uh, the story goes that one of, there's two sons, and one son leaves and takes his father's inheritance. It's a beautiful story. We should talk about it way more. It's incredible. But we oftentimes forget about the second son, who's always been in the castle, right? And But he gets a little resentful to his dad. And we focus on the on the prodigal son. We lose sense that oftentimes many of us feel like the second son. And this is what the father says to him. He goes, my son, 
You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Another way of looking at it is, um, speaking of sons, I have two as well. I mentioned them a bunch of times, right? Nine and or yeah, nine and seven now, Lincoln and Sawyer. And uh, uh, let's see, uh, yesterday I picked them up from camp, right? And uh, they hop in the car, and they it was beach day for camp, and so it's Friday, and they're just like. They're just, yeah, it's been a big day. And so they get in the car and it's interesting how they both want to connect with me, but they connect with me in, in such different ways. Like when Link gets in the car, it's just like, like he just starts running his mouth and just starts telling me everything and how they built a sandcastle. And it was, you can jump off the dock and he did a um, cannonball. And uh, this one counselor uh, was crazy and he did this thing and he blah, blah, blah. We did this competition and we played dodgeball. And he just, he will talk the entire way home and all through dinner. And I have to like, literally I have to be like, hey, why don't you have a glass of water? Because uh, he just keeps, you can tell he's like, I can hear it in his voice because I know so well how cottonmouth he gets because he just <laughs> but he just wants me to sit and listen and uh and that's awesome sawyer he won't say a whole lot and i'll ask him because i'll be like Clint, can you pause for a sec let me ask sawyer about his day how was it fine <laughs> okay did you have a good good day yes <laughs> like, because sawyer what how he connects with me is guys, he just, he wants to snuggle. Like he just wants to get up on my lap and have me hold him. And sometimes we play this tickle game where it's kind of like we're wrestling, but it's really just more like an excuse to snuggle some more. And then he lately, it's just simple. He he just has this like cushy ball that we both sit on couches on the opposite end of the room and we just toss it back and forth and, and we giggle and he laughs and he could do it for like an hour. He just loves it. It's just, but here's the thing. Here's the important thing. I get carried away talking about my, about the kids. <laughs> here's the point. Okay, the point is, is that, um, <laughs> is that, what's the point? The point is that how Lincoln interacts with me is different than how Sawyer acts with me. And I don't care. I just, as their dad, I just want to connect with them. And I would never expect Sawyer to talk my ear off. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. He doesn't have to change. He. I just want to connect with them. And I would never like be uh, bitter towards Lincoln for not wanting to snuggle with me as much. He doesn't. He gets a little comfortable. So he's like, <laughs> uh, so that's okay. As his dad, I just want to connect with them. And your heavenly Father just wants to connect with you. And how you connect with them, how you grow, will look different. And, and it's that connection will grow. It's that's important to know because because um, Lincoln used to love to connect with me over uh, this uh, over Legos. I'm assuming he's not always going to want to connect with me over Legos. <laughs> you know, when he's like 19, <laughs> he's not going to want to like build a Lego set. He'll want to connect with his dad in a different way, and that's good. It'd be weird if he didn't, right? Sawyer, when he's 23, probably not going to get on my lap, although that would be pretty awesome. He might break me, but you know, nonetheless, that would be pretty cool. I'm not expecting it, though, and it's okay because how he connects with me will look different as he grows because that's what growth is. So some of you, like the way you used to connect with God isn't working anymore. And so you're assuming, oh, God's distant or, you know, I'm no longer a very good Christian because I went down a tier on the ladder. There's no damn ladder. You're always been loved. 
He's always wanted to connect with you. Perhaps the reason why it's not working is because you've actually grown. And in that growth means different ways to connect. But your father's always wanted to connect with you. Always. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. So for some of you, like maybe it is that you love studying the Bible. That's great. Praise God for that. That's awesome. But others of you, like perhaps the way you really connect with God is a hike in the woods. Or others of you, it's like looking at some art or listening to music. Some of you, maybe it's journaling. That's my wife lately. Or maybe it's a small group where you just got to talk those ideas out and listen and laugh and drink some good wine. There's a really good book on this called Sacred Pathways. And I might just do a whole episode on just that. But it, it reflects that you've been created differently, right? You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the way you've been created has was created to connect with God, but it will look different and that's okay. Another aspect of that too is sometimes we, we think when we make a mistake or we don't trust God and we do our own thing, that that's somehow a step back on the ladder, right? Or it's like a game of shoots and ladders, even worse, where you just like you're going up these ladders and all of a sudden you hit a, a shoot and you slide all the way back down to the beginning. It doesn't work that way. It's never has. You've never been kicked out of the castle. Those step backwards are still steps. They really are. Sometimes we got to learn the hard way and that's okay, but we still learn and we still grow. You've always been loved. All right. Um, one more aspect of this I want to jump into is um, talked about ladders, talked about castles. Um, I want to talk about weddings because I've done a ton of weddings uh, in my life. <laughs> I've officiated like, I don't know, 50 plus at least um, weddings over the years. And, uh, and they're fun. They're always like high pressure as the officiant. It's like, honestly, it's the easiest job of all of them. Like I'd much rather be, I, I DJed one wedding and it was so much work. It was like, I had to, I didn't get to eat as an officiant. You just get to eat. You just do like 20, 30 minutes worth of work. And then you're just like sipping wine and dancing. It's great. So that's a side note. I'd recommend that. It's way better. DJ, my friend, Darren DJs, he's incredible at it. I don't think I want to be Darren. All right. So, oh, <laughs> although, okay, so when I did DJ though, I, uh, <laughs> okay, I don't have time to go over to it, but Sarah, you know what I'm talking about, and I love you. Okay, so, done a lot of weddings, and um, and I remember one that I did was, um, it was like a bit of a bridezilla, you know, like she was intense, this girl, and um, man, she wanted everything perfect, and she, I remember it was like an hour before the wedding, ceremony began and she's like snapping off heads of her bridesmaids and she's like yelled at her father-in-law and it just got it was at this golf course it got intense there was a lot of lot of money going into this wedding too it was like a higher end one and man it just and and so by the time it was like 30 minutes before the or like five minutes before the wedding ceremonies would start like everyone's walking around on eggshells like everyone's scared of the bride which is like normally like here comes the bride like hey no it's like everyone's scared to death of the bride <laughs> but it, it reminded me a little bit of american evangelical christianity 
where we focus so much on the wedding ceremony and we give very little thought to the life together. You know, like we focus on the conversion of someone becoming a Christian that we give little to no thought of what it looks like a life with Christ. It's like, oh, you got through the wedding ceremony. Great, you're married. Now, marriage is a lot more than a wedding ceremony. Like marriage is a lot more than a ring. Marriage is this like wonderful, ongoing, growing relationship together. And so it is with Christ. Like it, it's, I, I would love for us as, as Christians in America to begin de-emphasizing conversion. Because it, 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 it gives a, a false idea that somehow that's what makes you a Christian. Well, what makes me a Christian is that I, I conform more and more to the likeness of Christ. That I, I, I trust him more and more and I believe that I'm loved. And it's this ever-growing capacity to then, therefore, go love the world. That's Christian. So, to take this further, 15, I've been married 15 years. And uh, August 1st was our 15th year anniversary. And I remember 15 years ago, on August 1st, um, I remember Laura walking down the aisle. And, uh, and she was beautiful. And I, I was, I remember standing at the, the altar there at the front and I remember thinking, I love this woman. And I did, I did. But love for me 15 years ago was about making her laugh and it was about making life an adventure. Oh my gosh. It was so much about date night, like planning a really solid date night. It was about going on trips it's about like compromising on what new car we're going to get when the old one like dies. And it was it was a lot about making love. It was about um our careers together. It was about buying a new couch for our apartment. And uh I look back at that punk kid 15 years now and I look back at him like he's such an idiot (laughs) like he had no idea what love really is you know like that kid that's not what love is because now 15 years later love for me is about um it's about going on a walk with her the other night and um and being really vulnerable and sharing about our fears and our inadequacies and then also our dreams and our hopes. Love for me is about having a glass of wine with her at the front room by the window while the kids watch a show. Love for me is um, is washing her car. It's doing the dishes. Love for me is, um, is uh, this morning listening all about work. And uh, how she's navigating different things with employees and trying to figure out what to do in this new position and just just listening. Love for me is not about f- fixing it anymore. Love for me is just about listening and sitting in solidarity and empathizing with her. Love for me is noticing that she has a crick in her neck and massaging it out. 
love for me is um, letting her watching a Hallmark movie original, <laughs> even though I'd so much rather watch a sci-fi movie. Love for me is massaging her feet. That's love for me. But here, here's the... Guys, this is the, this is the most important part. Listen to me really closely. If God will have his way in my life, I will look back at this punk guy talking to you right now in 15 years and I will think to hit myself, that guy's an idiot too. And that guy had no idea what love really is. Because if God has his way in me, he will continue to grow my capacity to love. It will keep expanding and maturing and evolving and getting deeper and more and more profound. If he will have his way in me, I will look back at this guy 15 years from now and think that guy is an idiot as well. Because that's the way spiritual growth looks. That's the way it works. Is um, not just with our spouses, but with the world. That we continue to think that those we thought were outside the castle have actually always been in the castle. And, and those that we thought were our enemies, we begin to love them as Jesus asks us to. And as you love your enemies, big surprise, they can't be your enemies anymore if you actually love them, right? Because <laughs> loving requires getting to know them and getting to know them requires empathy. And empathy builds to compassion and compassion does not allow for enemies. So God begins eliminating those we vilify and he begins including those that we thought were on the outside. He brings them in onto our castle, into our inside. I mean, love and Christianity and spiritual growth is an ever-evolving, growing capacity to love. It's not about knowing more things. It's about allowing others to feel known and including them at the table of God. If God will have his way in you, you will look back at this person and think that person had no idea what Christianity was really about. And praise God for that. Because I look back at me 15 years ago, fallen Jesus. And I'm like, that guy was such an idiot. Like Christianity for him was about converting souls. It was about evangelism. It was about being right. It's about getting more information. It was about, I don't know, marrying the right Christian woman. It was about, <laughs> you know, it was about uh, exegesis and systematic theology. It was about sermons and institutions and agreement. It was about Sunday morning. It was about nodding my head, smiling at the right times. It's about listening to Christian music. It was all those things. And I think that guy's an idiot now. And I would love to look back 15 years and think this guy's an idiot too. And that's if God will have his way in me. Does that make sense? So spiritual growth is about letting God have his way in you. It's about, it looks far more like a garden than it does an assembly line because he works out his own salvation in you. And this is why this is important, okay? So this is part one. We're going to move to part two next week because if we start seeing ourselves in that way, right, as less of a ladder and more of a castle, less of a destination to arrive at and more of a direction, less of a static position and more of a dynamic, ever-evolving growth, 
If we look at ourselves like that, guys, then we'll start to look at others that way. And next week, I want to talk about what that specifically looks like to look at others in that same kind of way that God dares to look at ourselves. Luke 15, 31, one more time. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. What sounds good to connect with God this week? Like, how would you like to connect with him? Is it a walk? Is it journaling? Is it reading the Bible? Is it prayer? Is it meditation? Whatever it might be, like, go try it. Experiment. Knowing that you've always been included. You've always been loved. And it's not about the wedding day. May you grow in this kind of grace this week. podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.